you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Good morning, football, presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We're live in New York City. It's Wednesday, October 26th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. You know your friends here, Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, and a Super Bowl champion to my left, Jason McCourty. Jay, you have a fun weekend ahead of you. Or next couple days, what do you got going on? I'm heading to Tampa to call the Thursday night game. Huh. So I'm headed to the sunny weather, 80 degrees. I'm looking forward to that. Time for the lead block. Lead block. Lead block. Tomorrow night, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens look to say... Get out of here to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. It's a game that you can watch on Prime Video, and it's available on NFL+. Plus. For more on the Buccaneers, here's our usual gal about town in Tampa Bay, Sarah Walsh. Jamie, I don't want to come on here and sound like a broken record. I would love to tell you guys this is what's wrong with the Buccaneers, and here's how they say they're going to fix things. But unfortunately, we are hearing the same themes over and over again. On Thursday, Tom Brady said that this team just has to find a way to score more points, and his offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, talked about the frustrations this team has felt in short yardage situations. Last Sunday, third and one, fourth and one, and Leonard Fournette got stuffed. Leftwich said given the players they have, it's incredibly disappointing that they aren't able to just get a yard. And then there's the challenge of Lamar Jackson coming to town. Tom Brady was effusive in his praise of Jackson, saying he's an amazing player with a unique skill set, and he's going to challenge a Buccaneers defense that is banged up. No Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety, and he is starred for this defense. We don't know the status of their top corner, Carlton Davis, or their other corner, Sean Murphy Bunting. So here's the only great news I can give you for Tampa, and maybe this will bring some positivity to the Tampa Bay area. We've got Jason McCourty coming to town for the Thursday night football game, and maybe that'll change everything. Tom Brady, if they lose this game, will be two games under 500 in a season for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Heading into week eight, Tampa Bay is sitting at three and four. Is it too soon to say that this game, mm-hmm. Thursday night football against the Ravens, is a make or break <sighs> game mm-hmm. for make this Tampa break, Bay break. team? Make or break. Well, Jamie, like you just said, the standings say it, it, he's fine. It's like there's no, there's no threat. But if you lose this game, we're into the unknown with Brady. We've never really been here, <laughs> ever. What I mean by that is, so since 2003, Tom Brady has lost two in a row, as he has now, 13 times. Here's what happens the next week. 13 and 0, 31 points, 28, 7. It doesn't happen. Oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the Brady thing is over, the run has been vanquished, it's done. And then he always comes and just cleans house and everything's fine. Let's just get right, control, alt, delete. Do you have any confidence that's gonna happen on Thursday night? Because if he loses this game, that is three losses in a row, that is five out of six. Hmm. Five out of six. With the one win being the Grady Jarrett play game. Which I think has an asterisk because the Falcons had all the momentum, and I truly think they would have won that game. So, fine. It's football. Five out of six. And again, guys, the band is the same. We are not waiting for Mike Evans to return from injury. We got Godwin. We got Fournette. We got Devin White. We got Vea. The band's still the same. So I need two things to happen this week and certainly if they lose. One, Todd Bowles needs to be questioned thoroughly and directly because – 
It all changed when he left. Last year, Uncle Bruce got him in the playoffs. They're making this crazy comeback against the eventual Super Bowl champions. And everybody respects Todd Bowles. And so no one wants to say, Todd, what the hell? The team's terrible under you. Got to do that. Two, we have to question Brady's role in getting Todd Bowles that job, which I still think was pertinent. And three, I keep seeing it, guys. Gronk's not coming back, okay? People, I, I, it's sometimes people say it as a joke, and then I've seen actual journalists say, what they really need is Rob Gronkowski on the field and in the locker room. I took a little journey this morning to Rob Gronkowski's Instagram. <laughs> you know what he's doing in his life right now? What the is first it? picture is yeah, him in an apron in a kitchen saying, I'm going to make the cookie Gronkster, kids. The second one is him and Shaq hanging out debating who has more commercials. I don't think he wants to come back and block Jason Pierre-Paul and Calais Campbell for a crappy team because Tommy needs him. That ain't happening. So we're into the unknown if they lose this one, Peter. But I don't think Gronk putting back on the pads is going to rescue the team. The, 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 the mojo is gone. And it, it, I watched that Carolina game, and it, there was nothing. I know points. Mike Evans drops that pass, and everyone says, well, if he catches it, he didn't catch that yeah. pass. He catches that pass in another year, in another season, maybe. But there is absolutely no running game either. So you know, just how bad is this running game? I was, I was asking our research uh, and producer, Rich Goldberg, guys. Oh. <laughs> 1970. This is historically, mm. right now, the worst rushing team in NFL history since we started the Super Bowl. Okay. Buccaneers right now, 64.4 rushing yards per game. If the season were to end, they would be statistically the worst rushing team in the history of the sport. The worst. Ever. The worst. Ever. I can't express this enough how important that is. When you don't have a running game, it means that third down is third and eight as opposed to Third and two. It means that uh, on fourth and one, you have to do a, a pitch play to Leonard Fournette, and everyone knows in the building you're not converting it. This is historically the worst rushing team in the in the game's history. That's wild, wild stuff. So to me, it's not Brady needs to have a pep talk, or you know, the defense needs to tighten it up. No, something. A seismic change has to happen to the philosophy of the offense, to the way this team is blocking, to the way this team... You can't win games being historically the worst running team. It puts too much pressure on your passing game, and it also puts too much pressure on a quarterback who can't run. All right? We, we, love, we love when Brady does something, like, out of the pocket, and we laugh, and we put it on, on social media, yeah. and it's, like, hilarious. But, like... Yeah. Brady isn't Lamar. He's 10 and 3 when he does those clips. And it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For context, Peter, you, you put up the 2000 Chargers. That's, that is a Ryan Leaf Chargers team. Our friend Ryan Leaf, but like they, they weren't the going anywhere. Yeah. It's just bad. This is the stuff that we're not talking about when we're talking about the, the Buccaneers. What's wrong? And we look at like the offensive line has issues. And yeah, they do. It's a collective thing. This means they don't trust the run either. They're not even trying. They had three rushing yards against the Chiefs in a game this year. Three. So. I mean, you could look at Brady and his, you know, 45 and his marriage and whatever you want to talk about. If you don't run the ball, you're not winning football games. So something has to change, and there needs to be a very deliberate attempt tomorrow against a good Ravens front that, like, we need to at least try to establish to run the ball. Without a doubt, because when you watch them, Brady is still throwing the ball well. It's not like he's out there and you're like, oh, well, father time, he looks he bad. Yes, he's throwing the block. He's accurate. He's got the, the pass to Mike Evans was a dime. Overall, like you just said, as a team, they just look bad. There's drop passes on defense. There's a guy in and out of their gap in the run game, and then they're exploited. There's somebody blowing a coverage on any given play. So there's just breakdowns throughout the entire team. And it's very hard to put your finger on it because you said Byron Leftwich, and they have to come up maybe with some exotic plays. And as I'm watching them, they're running the same plays they've ran since Brady's been there. Defenses aren't doing anything special. Carolina was playing man-to-man. Guys aren't open. It just looks very bad. But like you guys both mentioned, 
They're still the top of their division. Mm -hmm. the, the rest of the division is it's very true. weak. Very it's weak. It's true. So there's no reason to think as you look at that, and I know it looks very bland. It's Buccaneers at three and four, Falcons at three and four, and all of those teams have their own issues in itself. The Falcons is probably the only team we're not talking about adversity, different things, quarterbacks in the Saints, who's it going to be? For the Panthers, they just fired their head coach, traded their best player away. So no, it's not make or break because whether they win or lose this game, when they wake up on Friday, they're they're still going to be fighting for that division. It's still going to be wide open. So I don't know where the answers are going to come from. But as I look through that division, I don't know who's going to be at the top and who's going to take over. Mm -hmm. The beauty of questions like this is like you can look at the numbers and try to pull them into your answer and manipulate your answer in idea. a way that implies that like I'm right when I say it this way. So one could say sure. that like, oh, on a short week, Tom Brady is like really good and he's going to figure this out. In fact, he's so good that when Tom Brady plays on a Sunday in his career and then has to go back play on a Thursday, he's 10 and one. Okay, rah rah, Siskamba, like Tom Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to play Thursday night against the Ravens and they're going to beat him because Tom Brady is so sure. good. It is good. But then. You go a little deeper and you're like, well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season are only averaging 17 points per game, 26th in the NFL compared to last year at this time. They were third in the league. Yeah. My goodness, what a drop off. So pick your poison however you want to twist this scenario, but make it or break it to me. This is a break it situation because it's not about this game. It's not about this division. Regardless win or loss, this feels like wholesale issues with the Buccaneers team that let, let's say congratulations, you are crowned the champion of the NFC South this season. I just don't see that going anywhere. Uh, first weekend in January, the second weekend in January, we have to see somebody and you have to face somebody that has it figured out at the end of October and week eight a little bit more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do right now. But like, I hope you go 11 and one on Thursday night football, Tom. <laughs> he might. He and might. If we let them hang around, then he might get into the wild yeah. card. All right, NFL Network insider Mike Garofalo joins us now to talk about that game tomorrow night and uh, the team that the Buccaneers are going to play in the Ravens and some injuries that they may have heading into Thursday night. They do, Jamie. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver, did not practice yesterday for the Ravens because of a foot injury. Now, he missed two games, weeks five uh, and six, because of a foot injury. So this is not a great sign that he's back on the injury report on a short week with the same ailment that sidelined him for two days. We shall see what his status for the game is when the injury report is released later today with those game statuses in there. Mark Andrews, the tight end, he's such a big part of what they do. Lamar Jackson's favorite target has a knee issue that's kept him out of practice the last two days. That is also worrisome, but I'm told there is no long-term concerns about what's happening in Andrews knee and he does feel confident that he is going to be able to play on Thursday. So Andrews trying to rest up as much as he possibly can at this point to potentially be out there against the Buccaneers. We'll see what his status is. My guess is he'll probably be questionable, but again, right now confident that he will be able to go in this game. All right, Mike Garofalo, thank you very much for all of that intel. As you can see, between Sarah Walsh, Garofalo, this is a star-packed show. Like we have a ton of awesome guests coming on Good Morning Football. Titans center Ben Jones was playing through an injury in the Titans' Week 7 win against the Colts. He earned himself a shout-out on Kyle's angry runs for his assist and a huge Derrick Henry first down in the tunnel after the game, though. Jones shared an emotional moment with head coach Mike Vrabel. It was real beautiful. Take a listen. I've never seen anything like I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. I love you like my... No. You hear me? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Okay?
talk Kyle about. made a good point. Like Mike Vrabel, you've coached everywhere. You've seen everything. That everywhere. was so special like for him to, to see. Out. Yeah. You should come on the show. Mike Vrabel, come on. You've been on Let's before. ask him. Yeah. All right. With that, we want to play a round of Whiteboard Wednesday. It was okay. amazing to see Vrabel show that emotion and share that emotion with one of his veteran players. So using our whiteboards today, we need a head coach who has okay. his team believing truly in themselves right now. Kyle, I go you first. get to go first. Wow. I promise this. I'm going to turn around the name of a real head coach. I promise. You guys okay. might not recognize it. Kevin O'Connell. I promise you guys this guy coaches the Vikings, although he's never spoken about. His name is never on TV. He is one of the best teams in the league, one of the most refreshing teams in the league, took over one of the most stale teams in the league, and they are coming off the bye and just cruising. And as the Packers are burning in flames and going down, the Vikings are just soaring. They waxed the Packers a few weeks back. First-year head coach. And all the shine goes to Brian Dable, and I love it, and I totally get it. Kevin O'Connell's done a hell of a job, and I think we'll be talking about him down the stretch. Yeah, I'm going to go to a coach that also hasn't been talked about at all this season of what he's done with his team, Brian Dable. <laughs> and there the Giants, everybody's talking about him for good reason. He has this team rolling. Rookie Kayvon Thibodeau this past week was fired up was like, hey, all of the doubters, you can bleep them. Yes, I, I can't say those bad words, yeah. but these guys believe in him. They've seen it. You saw this past game down in Jacksonville. He moves the quarterback's coach, Shea Tierney, out the way to congratulate Daniel Jones because he's fired up for his quarterback. Cigar in his mouth after the game, celebrating a win. As a former player, you love to play for a guy like that. He's authentic, he's genuine, and guys really believe they can win in that locker room, and we're seeing it every Sunday. I, Jay, I love that. As You can really speak to that. Like, you see it. You love it. You would want to play for it. I'm going to stick in the NFC, go back to the NFC North, and another coach who I feel like we do not hear anything from, but he's been showing it, Matt Averflus. Yeah. And whatever the okay. Bears did on their mini-buy, they're yep. 10 days away to come back on Monday Night Football, play the way that they did in New England. Yesterday in the media availability, Averflus said, now we've put it on tape, the way we're able to play creatively. He, he would put air back into the – the play of Justin Fields' legs and creativity within that playbook. And he said after the game, he said Bill Belichick was complimentary of what the Bears were able to do. And if that doesn't put wind in your sails, I don't know what does. Matt Eberflus, I would love to hear more from you, but like, way to go. Yeah, I hear that. The Bears. I'm going to go stay in the NFC. If the playoffs were today, do you know the Seattle Seahawks would be hosting a playoff game? Mm. Let's go. The 12. The Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith would be the kings of the NFC West. And I think Pete's got them believing. I think it would have been very easy for Pete uh, after the, the Russell Wilson transition and letting go Bobby Wagner, if, if Pete Carroll had a press conference in, in March and was like, you know what, it's my last year or I'm hanging it up and uh, you know I'm in my 70s and I'm going to go enjoy my... Pete doubled down. He's like, I'm happy. Let's go. And he's got these guys believing. There's no burnout from Pete Carroll. There's no frustration from Pete Carroll. He had a feeling that this team is going to still be relevant, and they are. I think these guys believe in him. And we mentioned it yesterday. They have six rookie starters, six rookie starters, and they're all playing well. Great draft class, and Pete's got them believing. Geno Smith, uh, they play the Giants, your guys, this weekend. Dable versus Pete. Both those teams are two surprise teams right now. I, I cannot wait to see what we get from the Seahawks fans as that one's in front of the 12s. Let's Absolutely. Go. The 12s were in L.A. Strong oh, yes, they, they were. Back at home. Right, we've had, we've had uh, our eyes on the quarterback situation in New England for the last week or so between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. Peter brought up quarterback competitions historically in the NFL, so we wanted to dig a little deeper. The most underrated quarterback competition of all time is... 
It's funny. I, I was doing some research, and I'm looking at some of the greatest quarterback competitions yeah. in the NFL. And I'm looking at years. There's the Phil Simms. There's Aikman. And I'm like, sure. I was a little kid, or I wasn't even thought of. So I'm going to go with one I remember. I was in the NFL, oh, yeah. and it's Tebow time. He was competing against Kyle Orton. Okay. Yes, exactly. Which one? Kyle Orton down in Denver. Orton yeah. had come off back-to-back season of 3,500 yards. But Tebow was what everyone was talking about. He did his combine training down in Nashville when I was there at a facility. And every day he would show up, there would be mobs of people outside just peeking in just to see him work out. Orton was a better quarterback, won the competition, but Tebow got the last laugh, uh-huh. getting him to the playoffs, winning a playoff game. Tim Tebow, yes, that sir. lefty, was kind of didn't look great coming out of his hand, but guy was a chosen winner, found a way to get it done. Quarterback competition, Orton, Tim Tebow. Whatever you say about Tim Tebow, that guy competes with literally anything he does in his life. No doubt about it. Fantastic. He does. I, I was actually thinking about putting Kyle Orton versus Rex Grossman. For right. my, oh, like, Orton was it, in a lot was of them. A lot yeah. of them in Chicago. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt we got it. it all. I, too, went with Jason, and when I looked at the list, I really wanted one that I could relate to Mm -hmm. and that had historical context in my life. The list didn't really connect with me whatsoever, so I went to remember the Titans. Fake 23 blast with a backside (laughs) George reverse. Sunshine, Ronnie Sunshine Bass and Jerry Rev Harris. Uh, This movie is chef's kiss when it comes to football, but that trick play at the end of the game, Rev gets hurt in the middle of the game. Sunshine can't make a pitch, but then he learns how to make the pitch in the middle of the game. It was a fantastic soliloquy by Denzel Washington in that game. But then at the end of the season, Rev is healthy, but Sunshine retains the quarterback job, but then they run the trick play where Sunshine is the lead blocker for Rev up the sideline for that T.C. Williams High School to win the title. We need a segment of you just breaking down movie plays. No, it's so good. Also, sunshine. Oh, so good. Kip Pardue. Kip Pardue. Yeah. Strong side. Strong. Yeah. Left side. Strong side. <laughs> a lot of that Hayden Panettiere just screaming. She's great. She's just yeah. screaming. And She's all right. Flutie versus Rob Johnson. Let me take you through this one here. 1999, the Bills. Uh, Rob Johnson's the big free agent. Everyone loves him. He's the big strapping USC quarterback. Yeah. Flutie comes from the CFL. Johnson goes down with injury. Flutie wins 15 games in, in the regular season, or starts 15 games. They're 11 and 5. They're going to the playoffs. Flutie doesn't get the start in the playoff game. They go to Rob Johnson because he's healthy. They're like, Rob Johnson was our week one starter. Wade Phillips is like, that's my guy. Flutie does not start the playoff game despite winning 11 games in the regular season with Flutie Flakes and Flutie Mania and everything going on in Buffalo. Everyone all in. They go to Rob Johnson, and then the Music what City Miracle choice. game happens, and we never know. And that's not on Rob, though, right? I mean, not like, on Rob. I that's on. I know. That's on or Wade. The special teams coaches are Wade, yeah. <laughs> or the special teams I coach. I don't know who that is. Wade. I don't know. Classic case of the young upstart that we want to see, the strapping good looks, and then uh, the yeah. CFL guy who's about five foot seven. Oh, gonna, all right, I guess. We, nope, they went with the youngest <laughs> start and didn't work out. The good news is that the Bills have figured out their quarterback. They've won a bunch yeah, of yeah. Took a minute, Peter. <laughs> no, I, I'll go with the team too that, that has totally figured out his quarterback situation. I'm going to go with Denver. Do you guys want to see a really stupid old Good Morning Football clip? Yeah, just I love, love to. Yeah, what is that? 2016, there was a debate of quarterbacks between Trevor Simeon. On the Broncos, Mark Sanchez, mm. and someone who I advocated for. This is just a terrible clip. August 2016. Roll it. August. A ruling for Mr. Sanchez is a ruling for this season to end up like most footballs that end up in his hands. Dropping, falling, floundering, and swallowed up by the competition. This is an easy decision for Johnny Elway. It would be an easy quip for Johnny Cochran. Sanchez doesn't fit, so he must sit. Go with Simeon. Season goes to oblivion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cinch. You go with Lynch. I rest my case. Yes. 
One, I'm saying it has to be Paxton Lynch. Two, I look ridiculous. That's the baby face. Like, I look 12 right there. They won um, the Super Bowl the year before. That's right. Yeah, and I'm just like, got to go with Paxton Lynch. Just, just so bad. Johnny Cochran joke. Speaking of the Bills. Um, what else you got? That was a beautiful self-deprecation. That's why the show is fantastic. Oh. All right, uh, coming up, we've got big names, as we mentioned, joining us this morning. We've got Bills head coach Sean McDermott. He's going to join us later on. Stars all over his place, left to right. Baby face is next, though. How cool. I am super cool. Oh, yeah. Yes, you are. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to Good Morning Football. We now have a legend in the building. Singer, songwriter, producer, he does it all. Has won more than 10 Grammy Awards, but also nominated for nearly nearly 50 times. His new album came out this past Friday, Girls' Night Out. Man, welcome Kenneth Babyface Yes. How you doing? I'm good. Good to yeah. be here. Good to be here. Be Before we get started, I got to say, one of your songs, Never Keeping Secrets, last night you were coming on, Text My Mom was one of your favorite songs. She chooses that one. Oh, yeah. I, Ask My Wife was one of yours. She chooses the exact same song. Really? Just goes to show your longevity, how long you've been doing it. It's amazing. You started as a kid, and you've gone on to just transcend errors, working with so many different artists. What was your inspiration early on to get into music, and what has kept you going for so long? My inspiration was a girl. A new girl came to school, and I saw her get on the bus, and I thought it, I, I wanted to write a song for her. Mm. So I, I went home and started trying to write a song mm. called Here I Go Falling in Love. I never played it for her, but like she that made me want to pick up guitar and be a singer. Mm. Wow. That, and my brother, I had a brother that was also in music and stuff, but like that's when I started wanting to write songs. Mm. Wow. You felt that that was the best way you could communicate with her? I thought so I never did communicate with her, but no. you know. Several years later, you're working with Boys to Men and TLC. And does yeah. she even know? Did she have any idea that you had those feelings for her? I, uh, years later, I actually, we actually talked, and I told her everything. And, you know that she, I had a crush on her, and she broke my heart and everything. And she felt bad about it, but then I said, "But you're the girl that launched a thousand songs." Oh, oh my gosh! Awesome. Speaking of launching a thousand songs, uh -huh. you, you know, you guys, uh, the, the stuff that you have done with so many artists, and then you're still doing it. Girls' Night Out came out Friday. Tell us a little about the album, the artists, and what you're so excited about. Well, Girls' Night Out is an album that's it's a collaboration with a lot of new young uh, R&B girls. That um, all of them aren't as well known. Some of them are. The whole idea was to collaborate with them and with old R&B and new R&B and trying to get it together. Everybody keeps saying R&B is dead, which is not true. Mm. And uh, it was just a, a great project working with these girls and, and so different from working with everybody back in the 90s and stuff because mm. girls are far more independent. They got something to say and they say it. It was a fun project to do. I'm, I'm looking forward to it being out there. Does it feel good to say R&B is not dead? I don't have to even say it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's funny to hear that, you know, mm -hmm. because R&B is in everything, you know. Um, it's inspired in so many places. It inspires so many genres of music, so 
is an everyday in that sense. We talk football here, but in the commercial breaks, we always listen to music, and yeah. sometimes we'll talk about it. We were talking a few days ago about who's the biggest artist of our lifetime. And we're all slightly born different times, different yeah. backgrounds, and we just said it's Michael. It's Michael Jackson. Still still stands. Yeah, and you've you worked with Michael. Yeah. What was it like? Michael was definitely one of a kind. That's not hard to say. But I think that he, he strove uh, to be the biggest artist ever. He, he wanted to be that. I don't know that artists think the same way anymore in terms mm. of just wanting to be mm. everything. They don't have that same kind of drive. Not like Michael. And Michael was just a, he's a great guy, great person and just a, just a complete star. Sometimes you meet stars and then you meet stars and, <laughs> and that's a star. You know. was, and Whitney Houston was on that list too. Was she another one that has that N classification? No question. Whitney, Whitney was a star, but Whitney was also very down to earth and just like, you know, still the girl that lived down the street. Mm -hmm. No matter how much of a star she was, she still was nippy. <laughs> uh <-huh. clears throat> so that was always great. So uh, you are from Indianapolis, is that correct? Yes, yes. And uh, you grew up a Colts <clears throat> fan. What is your connection now to your memories of football and the Colts or, and how you watch the game today? Well, I started off, I think, watching football late 80s. I was Tommy Dorsett fan. Yep. Sure. Even before that, uh, Lynn Swan. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, but I like to, well, to watch out how the difference was how they were stars. They were stars that kind of came out of football and, and then... Probably the biggest one, obviously, was primetime Dion. Yeah. 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 Like, who changed the game and changed the meaning of what a star is in, 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 in sports, period. And kind of like I look at like how Puffy came in, there's a similarity there in terms of stars. And, and they, they changed the game and changed, had people start looking at it in a different way. And that's the, uh, I think that's the cool part about it, more than not. So today, I, 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 I jump in, I watch football here and there, and, because I have friends that watch that are crazy about sports, <laughs> you know, so I got to watch with them. And, uh, and it's always cool to, to come in on it. And at the sofa, I'm in uh, Los Angeles now on the sofa. Yeah. That place is crazy. You been? Yeah. yeah. Insane, right? Crazy. Yeah, so that kind of helps you want to go to. Girls Night Out. Girls Night Out. You, know, <laughs> Girls Night out. you guys, uh -huh. go get that album. I mean, it's, it's an honor to have a chance it to is. get to talk to you, to meet you. Keep doing it. Obviously, you've done it for so many years. Appreciate you coming by the breakfast table. For sure. Thank you. Good to you guys. Awesome. By the album. Incredible. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. offensive performance against the commanders last Sunday was not a study in precision one might say at times it was just downright sloppy as Green Bay collected their third straight loss yesterday Aaron Rodgers dropped in to Pat McAfee's show to talk about what is going on what is going wrong and how the Packers can start getting things right we had so many just mental errors and mistakes it's just it's not the kind of football we're used to playing over the years I think when the players really take over then you see, you're going to see the possibility of us making a run. 
So when the players really take over, I'm not talking about usurping power from coaches. I'm talking about we take over, we take ownership of what we're putting on the field. Guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. You know, we gotta gotta start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing, give them a chance. Okay, Aaron Rodgers airing out some grievances on his friend Pat McAfee's show. Never been one to be shy and speaking up about how his team is playing, both good and bad. But what do we make of Rodgers' comments ahead of their huge matchup against the Bills this weekend, Peter? I, I think you could pick it apart and, and be like, you know, he's too harsh on these young guys. I also think you could look at it and say he's just telling it like it is. I think if you watch these Packers games, there are so many mistakes, so many errors. I also thought something that we didn't include there is that he says that he talks with, with you know, LaFleur daily, that they had a great FaceTime the night before, and they always have this, like, great communication. But I thought the line that he had that didn't make it was that, you know, they were looking for someone to step up, and a guy named Dallin Levitt, a special teams guy who's a first-year guy who came from the Raiders with Basaccia, stood up and addressed the team this week and was like, we need to start being accountable. The special teams unit has not been up to snuff. We need to start being better. He's, ta- he's in a room with Rodgers and Mercedes Lewis, and he's in a room with Kenny Clark and Dallin Levitt, a first-year special teams guy from the Raiders who has never won anything, mm-hmm. got up and he was the one who addressed the team. And Rodgers said, I was a little surprised by that. But I like it. And what I'm taking away from all this is that there is a lot on Rodgers' shoulders right now. Can someone else carry the load? Can someone else help me in this moment? I see that, and it's him saying, there's a lot of mental errors. These guys shouldn't be getting reps if they can't do it. And again, we'll pick it apart. We'll do the eyeball emoji, everything. To me, it's like, I know I make up most of the salary cap. I know that I'm the two-time MVP. Two-time in a row MVP, four-time MVP. I know the expectations are for me. But I'm going to need some help in this locker room right now. And I'm going to need some other guys here to step up and help me get our team where it's I can't just all be on me. I think that everyone expected this team to struggle with Devontae Adams not on the roster anymore. I think everyone expected this team to struggle without Hackett and Getze. I don't think anybody would expect them to look as hapless as they do on these Sundays. And I think it's going to be an effort where it's not just Rodgers playing better and it's not just some of these young wide receivers. I think... There needs to be more leaders in the locker room, and there needs to be more accountability. So I, I think that was him calling out Dallin Levitt. And I don't know if anyone has a Dallin Levitt jersey, but I think he's calling him out and saying, thank you, someone else. It's not just me here. Can someone else step up and kind of take some of the accountability on this thing? That's very interesting. And from being in locker rooms, Dallin Levitt, I, like you said that, I was just like, wow. Like, and I look it up, they called him the Energizer Bunny when he was with the Raiders. And I think sometimes from the outside looking in, We'll look at certain teams and you'll say, all right, you're looking at the Green Bay Packers. Their leader has to be Aaron Rodgers. It has to be Aaron Jones. It has to be Devondre Campbell. And I was going to talk Rodgers and the offense and LaFleur, but credit to the guys that no one expects that are the true leaders within the locker room. I'm not saying that there's not other Packers players, and I'm sure Rodgers is a great leader, but... You don't have to be the best player on the team. You don't have to be the loudest player on the team. When the camera's there, you don't have to be giving the pregame speech or breaking the guys down. It's in moments of adversity, being in the locker room, having enough courage to step up and challenge your teammates. And to do that, Levitt has to be have to look at himself in the mirror and say, hey, whenever I stand up in front of everybody and I call you out and I call you out and I say, hey, you have to be accountable. Each and every day after that, I have to make sure I'm on my game, mm. whether it's a special teams play of running full speed down there on kickoff in practice, whether it's in a meeting and a, and a coach asks a question, I better have the right answer. Because as soon as you stand up in front of a meeting room, every other player, every other staff member in that building, in that locker room is looking at you and seeing how you carry yourself. 
yourself? Are you backing up those words you, you said when you stood in front of the room? Are you living it? So for me, when I hear that, that's a team that understands it. And it, it, does, it starts at the top. But when the trickle-down effect and you see other guys stepping up saying, you know what? I guarantee you he's sitting in his seat and he's getting goosebumps as whatever. Maybe LaFleur is talking, somebody else is talking, and he wants to say it. But it's just like, should I do it? Should I do it? And he jumps out of his seat and kind of goes off. And it's those guys that you don't expect it that you're now sitting in your seat and you're like, damn, Levitt, he's all in. Like, let me hold up my end of the bargain. I think that is so huge and it speaks volumes of their locker room. Mm. I like that we got a Dallin Levitt. Dallin Levitt. Dallin Levitt. That's great. Matt LaFleur, you got anything? What, yeah. What's going on? It's go time. Let, let's just let's let's do the, the shot chart here. A few weeks ago, the star quarterback comes out and says, we need to change the offense. Now he's openly saying, we're playing the wrong players. We need to get them off the field and get the other guys on the field. He's also literally saying the players need to take over. Matt LaFleur, you're a very likable guy. It's time to kick some ass here. What are we doing? I would love a fire and brimstone. I am the head coach of the Green Bay Bleepin' Packers. I understand that Rodgers is Rodgers, but we're losing. This season's getting away from us. I think you're going to get your doors blown off by the Bills. I do. I don't think you got a good enough team to go up there and compete with them. You got anything to say? Because Rodgers does it every week, and Rodgers is in his world and his thing, and he's earned it. He's got skins in the wall. Do you? I, I like him a lot as a person, and I think that's a lot of what's going on here in the league. And I'd say the same thing for Todd Bowles over in Tampa. Everybody likes him, and everyone's like, Ugh. Matt LaFleur, you are the head coach of the Packers. We need to see some backbone, and we need to see some fire. And if you need to tell your quarterback to shut up every once in a while, maybe you do that. It, it's time. Is that, is that, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Is that, is that a good idea in week eight to tell, to tell Rodgers, hey, know your play? Is that what we want right now? I can't get into the intricacies of it, but like, don't you want to hear something from Florida? Sure, sure. I just don't know if you're, you're handling a unique person at quarterback. Yeah. How's it going in the season? To, to your point, for Rodgers to come out last week, he said simplify the offense. This week, he said we're making a mistake on 20% of our plays. Yeah. That is outrageous. He's kind of double downing on this simplify it because if that many guys, if there's different guys on each plays are making mistakes, from a coaching standpoint, we're not doing something right yeah. if nobody... I got to tell you... Rogers is very, very good with his words. I think he is screaming, we suck! We have no good players! Do you hear me? Coaches, fans, owners, we are terrible. I can't do any. Do you hear me? Are you getting my message? We suck, coach. Help! And I think he won't say it because he's smart and he's tactical, but that's the message. He's screaming. I have nothing. Literally on the field, he's going, what the bleep are we doing? And then he calms down and he says, oh, maybe we do this. He's screaming that we suck and I have no help. He's screaming it. And he might be right. I need to take a break from Aaron Rodgers, honestly. I'm, I'm just kind of sick of regurgitating these clips of how he sits there and the way he delivers his information. And Kyle, to your point, like I do think he, he in a smug way, he tries to say things that he thinks at times it feels like, like I'm smarter than you and if you can interpret this the right way, then you really get me. And it's just like... Just say what you mean and mean what you say. And I have this weird tether, and I think we all do, this season in particular, between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady for a lot of reasons. But the two of them, to have the season that they're having and the things that they're saying, which to me are so infuriating, I just kind of want to put a boundary up and be like, let me take a break from you guys. You know, figure your stuff out. I kind of want to stop hearing from you. And I'd rather hear from the guys that I really want to be talking about, which are the Patrick Mahomes and the mm -hmm. Josh Allens mm -hmm. and the Joe Burrows mm -hmm. and the Daniel Joneses of the world. Because these two, I really am frustrated by by how they're handling the current situation that they're in, mildly acting like sore losers, mm -hmm. I think, in terms of how they're communicating. I understand. LaFleur's going to be asked 
Aaron says the wrong guys are playing it. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you gain some respect for Matt LaFleur if he said, you know, I think Aaron needs to focus on playing quarterback and I'll do the coaching. Simple, respectful, if he just said that. Does that make you I'm cringe? looking for that. I think he knows he's dealing with Aaron Rodgers. And you say that and you lose Aaron Rodgers in October. And it's Maybe Al you gain Beavers. his respect, though. I don't know how he's wired. What? Maybe that would be like a respect and alpha, you know? Like, yeah. push me back. Yeah. I don't know. Peter, what does losing Aaron Rodgers look like? Is it worse than what we're seeing right now? Good question. Yeah. It's, it's I think, I think we saw it with okay. McCarthy. What did it look like? Yeah, one, McCarthy uh, at the end. One, 100%. Uh -huh. Exactly. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, uh -huh. we think it looks bad. We know in this league, without a quarterback, you have zero chance. If they lose Aaron Rodgers, it, it's just – it's been bad, but they're scoring points. It's close games. Yeah. It came down to the wire this past week. It'll be blows. I agree with you 100% of the things Aaron Rodgers is saying. I do feel like he is challenging what's going on in the coaching staff. But to your point, if I'm LaFleur, I, if maybe I have a closed-door meeting with Rodgers and I say, hey, shut up, let me coach, but I'm definitely not going on a presser and saying, Aaron, I, I'm not doing that out in public because... 52 other guys on the team, I think it's pretty cool. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be around forever. Matt LaFleur wants to coach this team for a decade. I, I don't know. Like, mm. at some point, you have to say, shut up, I'm the head coach. I, this is my team. He loses Rodgers, he won't be around either. <laughs> Coming up on Good Morning it's Football, speaking of Sunday night, yeah. it's Bills, it's Packers. Uh, Bills head coach Sean McDermott joins us to tell us his game plan for stopping Aaron Rodgers. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.